You are listening to the Improv Save My Life podcast, brought to you on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station. All right, welcome to episode 25 of the Improv Save My Life podcast, brought to you on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station. I'm your host, Tom Boyer. Today I'm joined by co-host Sarah Harkness. What's up, Sarah? Not a ton. Uh, Sarah works at Improv Asylum. Uh, She's also a teacher by trade, and she's a student at Improv Asylum as well. Today's guest is uh, Improv Asylum main stage actor and formerly a uh, Improv Boston main stage actor, Christine Cuddy. Hey, Christine. Hi. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. <laughs> we rehearsed that. It came up I know, right? <laughs> We had to rehearse that one bit. <laughs> um, so, basically, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, but... A bit of it. I kind of start off by finding out where the guests came from and then kind of how they got into improv from there. Yeah. So if you could kind of take me through that. Sure. Um, I took classes at Improv Boston a million years ago, (laughs) which really is probably 2001. What, like, even before you got there, though, like, what made you think, hey, I want to take some improv classes? I was in a play in college, and it was not a serious play. And I made people laugh, and I feel like I I don't do drugs, <laughs> but I feel like it must be the same feeling like when you first do drugs, <laughs> and then you're like, well, now I'm addicted to heroin, and I'm gonna do everything in my I'm gonna ruin everything in my life to get this heroin. So I feel like yeah, I was in this random play in college. Luckily, improv doesn't have quite the same effect as heroin. Right. Yeah, it's true. I would be poor. <laughs> I mean, I still like be poor. I like <laughs> Actually, now that I think about the similarity, it's so upsetting. It's like, the, 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 the podcast is called Improv Saved My Life because it uh, helped me I know, I'm like, Improv ruined my life, right? I know. So now we're talking about how you're addicted to something, you're poor, and you can't get out of it. I mean, now, now that I think about it, I don't really talk to a lot of people that I used to talk to before I started doing improv. That it's is like a, a sign of addiction. Sign, right? okay. Do they have like a regular person intervention, non-improv people intervention? I mean, I need one, I feel like. I don't know. Or they're like, we missed you. Come back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That would be insane. (laughs) They'd be like, come sit with us and talk about boring things again. (laughs) I'd be like, I don't want to. Stop cracking jokes, Christine. Yeah, please. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be the worst. The bits are just too much. Forget it. It's exactly like doing drugs. That's <laughs> I don't do drugs, but it's got to be exactly like that. So, <laughs> so you, you uh, a play piqued your interest in improv? Well, it definitely piqued my interest in comedy, and then I like found myself. I feel I don't know if this happens to a lot of people. Like after college, you realize you have nothing to do. You're like, yeah, I have a job, but like I have nothing to do. Right. Like yeah. it's exciting anymore. So. I was like, oh, I'll take an improv class, and then I looked them up, and I was living in Framingham at the time, and I decided, I literally decided between the two theaters by, it looked easier to get to Improv Boston. (laughs) And I wasn't familiar with Cambridge or the North End, so, and I was like, yeah, that one looks easier, so I guess (laughs) I'll just go there. I feel you on that. I live my life in Boston by choosing the place that's easiest to get to. Yeah. It just so happens that the North End is way easier for me to get to. 
Yeah, like students have asked, like, why did you end up at Improv Boston? I'm like, it's not exciting. <laughs> it's like an old lady traffic thing. I don't know. <laughs> like, I was afraid of getting lost, so I went to Cambridge. <laughs> I think uh, when you start at either Improv Boston or Asylum, because I've, I've talked to people from both, and you are a person from both, um, at first you kind of stick to wherever you started with, and you're kind of loyal to them. And then you kind of... I think as you get it, it more time, if you do shows at both or you go to shows at both and you meet the people from both, you're like, it's all improv. Yeah. You know, they might teach it in different ways, uh, but it's all the same end result. And, you know, it's not like a gang rivalry that I think, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but I think a lot of people have slanted views one way or another. Yeah, but you know what? I find that it's the people that have not been to both theaters. Yeah, I would say Everyone so. else I know that's been to both are like, yeah, we're cool. <laughs> you know, right. like, it's usually the most uninformed people that are like, the other place sucks. Yeah. And they're like, well, no, it doesn't. It's an improv theater. We love improv. Why would it suck? I mean, definitely for a person who works at Improv Asylum, the way I explain it to people who ask is that they're just very different places. Yeah. Like, they have completely different purposes, yeah. too, so... They're, yeah, their goals are different. Like, it's literally like nonprofit, for profit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Money is a huge factor. It doesn't get much different than that, you know. But all the people are the same type of people you meet. It's all a bunch of jerks that do comedy, you know. Those are assholes. Yeah, what a bunch of jerks. It's a bunch of drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, you begin taking classes at Improv Boston. Yep, and then I got. Um, I guess what is now like a house team or a studio team, depending on which theater you're at, uh, the equivalent of that. But what that all that really meant was you formed your own group and then performed in the basement of the Cantab for audiences that didn't want to watch you. <laughs> so I feel like Sounds I solid. wish like people still had to do that. I don't feel like either theater has. They have so many great opportunities at both theaters now for students that I'm like, back in my day. <laughs> you feel like people need to pay their dues a little more. Well, like, learn how to, like, be in front of an audience that does not want to see you, and then you'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we've been doing uh, a lot of the newer people into improv at the uh, Hanging with the Asylum is uh, performing at the Y shows. Yeah. Which is, the audience is generally 95% just the other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. is, but it still gives you a chance to get out there and uh, perform for an audience, you know, even if it's, it's just an audience of your peers. Yep. It, it's, it's a good learning experience. Yeah, I just remember, like, drunk people wandering downstairs, and they're like, you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Someone is improvising you. <laughs> I was at the, uh, the Just Suspects show um, that they do at the hideout on... It was a Wednesday. It was one of the day of the fire, one of the firefighters' funerals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so there were all these firefighters in town, and they drinking all day. Sure. You know, in the morning, their fallen comrade, but they were getting a little rowdy by the end of it. And then they were watching a uh, comedy show, a sketch comedy show, and they were just—it's the worst combination yeah. <laughs> of two things. Oh, dear. And then it's like you can't, you can't shush. 
firefighters. Yeah. <laughs> so. Especially ones that are mourning for yeah. a fallen comrade. That's against the law, right? Yeah. We can all agree that's probably I feel like that's law. in poor taste. Yeah. So it just it was this really <laughs> tense situation because they were ready to go at any drop of a dime. So uh, it was like... Just it was the most tense comedy show I've ever had. <laughs> so I can I can totally see where uh, alcohol and uh, <laughs> performing can go awry. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't go well together. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and then after that I got on to theater sports, which is now Face Off at Improv Boston. Um, and then I moved to Chicago for two years, which is a blur. And then I came back, and then I got on the main stage at Improv Boston, and was there for a while, and then I got to perform with Rachel Dratch at the Women in Comedy Festival last year oh, at Improv Asylum, awesome. and Chet was in that show, and then they emailed me and asked me to audition, and I was like, yep. Fancy, if someone you got asked to audition. If someone asks you to audition, you audition. Yeah. yeah. That's also a lot. <laughs> now, back up a second. When you went to Chicago, mm-hmm. did you keep up with the improv? Yeah, I did. Uh, I took the writing classes at Second City, and then I worked at the box office for free at the Annoyance and got free classes, improv classes there. It's all about the box office. Yeah, it really is. I hated that job because I'm not good with people, probably the way Sarah is, or oh, she can yeah. fake it better. Maybe I like my job. I'm saying I'm not good at people <laughs> with people, and then I stand in front of them. But <laughs> yeah, you, the, that customer service you oriented get paid. relationship. <laughs> To be in front of people for hours. No, but they're primed to see me. Like, they're, <laughs> they're ready to fight with anyone like near a cash register. I feel like that's true. You know, like that's. I will give you that. Yeah. Now, were you when you when you were in Chicago taking classes? Did you have to take the equivalent of a level one, starting over? Oh from yeah. Scratch or? Yeah, I think. I don't even remember. I think at the annoyance, I might have skipped level one. But, like, Mick Napier knows the theaters out here, and he runs that place. I think that's what happened. I got, I think I got to skip level one, but that was it. Um, but I know even now a lot of improv theaters, I could go to, like, UCB, and they wouldn't let me do that, which They I wouldn't get. let you skip level one? I don't think so. I think you have to, like, pay your dues. You could just be, like, the, 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 the best level one ever. <laughs> I know, yeah, right? Like, like what? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I've never done improv before. That's, that would be my character. Well, I'm just here to learn about public speaking. <laughs> and I would know how to do it. Yeah, because I have friends that have gone down there to, like, they've moved from Boston to New York and they had to kind of suffer through a level one again. And it's just hard because you're like bored, you know. I mean, and as a teacher, a, a load of money. I always advocate for going back to the basics. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I do that as an improv teacher. I so know. True. To me, back to the basics, true. guys. To me, that's like the equivalent of like a kid moving from out of town that was previously a fourth grader. You're like, well, you guys done the first grade. Here. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's like you're studying in preschool again. <laughs> and it's also like, oh, by the way, you have to spend four hundred dollars to go back. Yeah, to that first sucks. Grade. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the part that makes more people angry. Yeah. If you could just like go through for free and be like, yeah, I'll do the rules. Or if you could like audit it for cheaper or yeah, something. Something like that. I don't know. They're a huge machine though, so I mean I guess I guess in theory someone could be like, I was on the main stage at Improv Asylum and I'm guessing if you went to UCB, somebody down there would be like, Okay, let me contact them. Yeah. And just check it out. But if you were somewhere else they might Or you could not try it. No. <laughs> 
So where's it gonna happen? <laughs> Doesn't All check right. out. <laughs> I just think it would be hard because I like teach. So I'd be in a level one and I'd wanna be telling my fellow classmates like, Well, maybe you should like focus on this thing and like that's you can't do that. Or you'd end up in a class where you wanna tell the teacher that they're like explaining something really like Yeah convolutedly or something. What's well, that jerk in class? <laughs> no one. <laughs> I'm definitely that jerk in class all the time, especially first aid classes. Wow, that's but very specific. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> Sorry. That's a very strange, specific thing to be that that guy about. Right? You know what? People, a lot of people who teach, like, the American Heart Association first aid AED CPR classes, they're, like, give bad information about some things. Well, I mean, now I like, need to know. I'm wrong information. I'm going to try to save someone's life and then kill them. Um, <laughs> I, I, I work in I work in biotech, uh, so we have to take like these regular regulatory classes all the mm-hmm. time about shipping and stuff. And the instructors get paid by the hour, so they will drag a class out oh, for eight yeah. hours that could be everything boiled down into two. So it, <laughs> first of all, it drives me crazy. I, I don't want to be there. It's hard to pay attention to this boring yeah. regulations. And when you draw it out, I just get so mad. And then they, they like by the end of the day, they want to take like fifteen minute breaks every hour. You're like, come on, just skip the yeah. break. Can we skip just, it and just like get this done fast? Bathroom break, guys. That would drive me crazy, also. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, when when you came here, you were started on the NXT cast. Yeah. Was that with the knowledge that you were going to be a main stage cast member, or? I I think in the interview they said like that was definitely a possibility, but I also don't think like that. Mm. And also, I did. I feel like I've been so lucky with the casts I'm plopped into, like everywhere. <laughs> And half the time, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why did you invite me? Why am I here? Like, everyone here is so great. But, um, yeah, I got onto the NXT, and I would have happily done that. Like, I was, like, excited to do it again. I And then I was nervous that I was getting fired. It's like, that's my brain now. <laughs> Wait, when they, like, called you in for a meeting yep, to tell I you they like, wanted oh. to put you on the main stage, you thought you were getting fired? I was like, oh, they're going to say, like, I'm, I'm not working out. Oh! <laughs> I don't fit in over here. And suddenly, like... <laughs> Would you like a position on the main stage? Yeah, and then and all you're of like, a sudden, like, what? I'm here all the time. I know, it's so weird. <laughs> I did, I was like, oh, they're going to, they, they're probably going to get rid of me. They're going to let me. I was like, I saw this coming, so it's okay. <laughs> so, um, during your time on NXT, you, um, I, you only did the one run? Yeah. I, I, I saw that show a couple times. I really liked it. Um, yeah, with Tim Johnson's sweet song at the end. Um... I'm surprised. Which I'm was, a major fan of. I'm actually by and the end of that one line, line that you wrote. <laughs> I'm surprised that girls didn't throw their underwear at him during. <laughs> you know, like I was just out there saying bits that he wrote, but I was like, oh man, like, that was hilarious. You're out there killing great. it. Like that was actually one of the first shows that I saw after I got hired. I'd never been here. Um, I'd never been to Improv Asylum before I got hired as box office agent. That was one of the first shows I went to. Oh, and you got to see it for free, right? I did. Nice. So I have never, nice. I've never paid for a show here. I got to see it for free too. Oh, nice. Did you? Yeah. Did you like have an out of body experience there? Is that how you I got think to see it? A lot of times I did. Yeah. Uh, the another sketch I really liked about it was uh, there. It was 
three girls in a bar, I think. Oh, and yeah, me and Aaron and Catherine. You tried, you called. Tim. And Dan Kleonsky wrote it, and then he moved. <laughs> and I was like, every time I do this, I miss him, and I don't even know him that well. I love that. It's, it's very, it's very true. Uh, as he told, he told us that he, he was like, just in his like nonchalant way. Like I always felt like his delivery of everything was really funny. And he was like, yeah, this is like literally something I like overheard and I wrote it down. <laughs> and I was like, that is then phenomenal. that makes sense why it's so like, it feels true. I was like, I feel like I've, I've seen these girls before, you know, or I've heard this dumb conversation before. See, that just makes me want to like sit down on the orange line. That's the thing. Like, I never think to do that, and that's what I should. Well, do I right. did. I did start hashtagging quotes from the orange line for Cuddy. That's true. There were some pretty good ones. Nice. That is true. It's a scary line. It's terrifying. Now, are you from Framingham? Mm-hmm. Because you play. I think anybody <laughs> I've seen, you play Boston girl. Yeah. The best. Yeah. Not a lot of acting has to go with that. <laughs> I, I mean, just... I don't take this the wrong way, but everything about you screams Boston girl. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I agree with that. I think, I mean, in all honesty, I, I've i never had that accent, but everyone else in my family does, so... Like, you put it on so like, I, Okay, well. I know what I'm doing. I'm out here just going to imitate some relatives, and we're all set. Also, know? every time I hear the word irregardless, which is not a real word, let's all agree on that... <laughs> I think of you. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. I was at a party recently <laughs> and at my best friend's house. And it's not my best friend, so she, she's smart. I've known her for like since the eighth grade. She had people over and uh, her uh, brother's girlfriend said that word. <gasps> and she didn't know that it wasn't a word. <laughs> oh, no. And the whole time I was like, oh, my God. Like, we actually had a sketch about this. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well, great. I've heard it multiple times since I moved and to And all Boston. of a sudden I was like, that's why people would laugh so hard at that. Well, the best, it actually Because happens. it's for real. Yeah. The best thing about Irregardless is it's always going to be followed by some really dramatic statement. And usually it's, it's like a counterpoint to something they did wrong. Yeah. Irregardless of that fact. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, that's not even a word. <laughs> Stop saying that word. It's not a word. It's less of a word than like twerk. Like that <laughs> word is in a, like a dictionary right now. Isn't that the it, deal? Has it been added? I think it's added to something. Don't fact check me, anyone. I was about it to was look a, it up. It's a good point I made. Don't fact check it. <laughs> All right. I, I have a question. Uh, you brought up twerking, which made me think of dancing, and this is a question I've wanted to address to women, um, and I have two here, so. <laughs> um, Lucky you. I was at my friend's 30th birthday party recently. This happens to me anytime there's a party where dancing is going to be involved. Sure. I don't dance. Excellent. I don't, sure. I don't like to dance. It's not that I'm shy and I don't want to get on the floor. It's, it's just not your thing. You just yeah. don't feel like it. And I'm not a good dancer, so. All these factors. I'm cool standing next to the dance floor, talking to the other people yeah, standing there. Not everybody's it. dancing, you know. But every time this happens, people are like, "Come on, come on!" And then, no matter how much you try to say, "No, I'm on, I'm, on, I'm all set. I'm not interested. Thank you." It quickly devolves into being either physically pulled or they just start dancing with you oh, where you're like standing. That. Are these ladies? I'm assuming drunk. Yes. I've never done that to anybody. Thank, nor, thank nor have I. <laughs> I also, if I'm dancing, which is a lot, 
A, the majority of my dancing has been done in lobbies of improv theaters. Yes. That is true. I don't go, like, to clubs or, or, like, weddings. Right. But usually if I'm dancing, I'm honestly in my own world. I'm like, ooh, I love this song. And then I'm just like, I'll be over here dancing. Yeah, when I'm dancing, I don't really, I mean, unless we're, like, in the lobby in a dance circle and like sure. all fooling around then I'm just kind of like yeah I'm gonna dance but Who I think people that feel compelled to like see the one person not dance like you need to dance what no I, no you need what to what I dance. think it is <laughs> you have to is either some type of insecurity on their part of having somebody watch them and they feel like they're being watched and if you're dancing then maybe they're not the being watched anymore <laughs> oh yeah you left that part out tom get rid of the binoculars and if, put you, yeah. back on, tom. if you zip hey. your fly up that might help too that's just club attire <laughs> no but um or it's that they see you standing there they think oh he's not with anybody and they want attention so either they don't want somebody staring at them or they want attention or or it could you know what let's stop being cynical it could just be that they really have fun dancing and they feel like if you sure. dance you will have a lot of fun they get it but i they just don't get that you won't yeah <laughs> it usually involves me awkwardly dancing for like 25 seconds before they're like, oh, you really can't dance. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And you're like, yeah, that's what I was like, saying. I was it. trying to say that. But I actually feel that the same level of passion goes into people that are like, wait, you don't watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. And I'm like, no, mm. I don't have HBO. And then like, you have to watch it. And I'm like, I probably won't. Or it's House of Cards. It's not my jam. Yeah. I, I can always tell you I'm not going to like it. I get it. Yeah, you yeah. have to, and then I'm like, okay, well, the more you say that, the more that I'm not gonna watch it now. Right. Now I don't even, want, I don't even want to know about it. Like, stop talking. People, yeah. about people are like thing. baffled. Like, they, it doesn't, they don't understand the concept. Like, what do you mean you don't watch Game of Thrones? Like, it does not compute. Yeah, yeah. People get real mad about it. I don't, I don't want to watch it. I, I feel like it's too. There's been too much. I don't watch it either. And. I feel like there's been too many episodes and it's way too involved to try to catch up on now. Like, like I read Shakespeare in high school. It has to be just as difficult as that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know when you had the I would say and you'd go to the front of the book to look at the family tree because yes. there's so many characters? I would say, as somebody who has both that. read the books yeah. and watched the show, although I have not yet read book five and I am behind on this season of the show because hey, I no longer have HBO. No here. Yeah, I, I know from the two people who don't watch it at all <laughs> and haven't read the books. The, yes, it is that like convoluted and tangled. Yeah. Yes. That true. That sounds like work. But. And TV's supposed to be fun. Here's the thing. If you have surgery or something and you're laid up yeah, and you can binge watch it, yeah. it's a show that is super fun to binge watch. But watching it like weekly, you're like, I don't remember what happened last week. Fuck this. Yeah. I, keep, I keep getting tempted to pull, because I'm Netflix, um, keep getting tempted to pull the trigger on Breaking Bad because everybody says the same thing. I got but bored with Breaking Bad. I got to tell you, I only got through three episodes and I was like... I'm sorry, I just don't care about this enough to... If this is going to become work, like, I have to go home and get through an episode, I can't do it. I, I appreciated the acting in the three episodes Oh, yeah, I the saw, acting's brilliant. And I was like, oh, this is a really good show. I just don't feel You're like just watching not into it. it. Yeah. Well, it's just... I, 
I don't have a lot of free time anymore, so when I do sit down and watch TV, I don't really, I feel like that's going to be a downer, too, and I don't really. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's super like, depressing. Kind of subject matter where you, like. Super depressing. You don't leave, like, excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, like, if, if we're going to dedicate a little bit of time to a show, like, I can't do it with that. I mean, I, eventually I'll probably watch a couple episodes just to see what all the hype's about, but. I feel like all the shows that are really hyped up are all super, have something super depressing in them. Yeah. Game of Thrones, tons of death. I just watched True Detective, which I really liked. I got one of the, you know, someone gave me a HBO Go password. And I really liked it. But I also feel like I know from the first episode. In the first episode of Breaking Bad, I was like, oh, so many people are going to hate me, but I but I'm not <laughs> feeling I don't this. like this, and it's bumming me out. <laughs> Speaking of HBO and things that are not super depressing, have you guys seen Veep? No. Because that's fun. That it's like funny, fun you can show. watch a one-off episode and be like, ah, ha, 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 and you don't have anybody being like, oh my god, you have to watch a feed! <laughs> there are a lot of people that talk about that show, but then I know that like it gets good reviews and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I've I heard good things. Funny. I, 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 I think I saw a couple of the first season, and I, I did like it, but... And it has the guy who plays Buster from Arrested Development, who Yeah, that's love. a huge selling point. It's a good one. So, back to improv. Yeah! <laughs> we really got into it, guys. Yeah. I actually like when these shows take tangents. Uh, if you, if you, a person that's not into improv, and for some reason listening to this, which I don't know how many there would be. Who are you, person? <laughs> Call in next week. But I think Show that gives them so. something they can maybe relate to. <laughs> oh, yeah! I watch TV. This will be the first one they listen to for them. And they're like, well, they hooked me with the TV conversation. <laughs> I started listening. Um, so you started on the main stage a couple months ago. Is that right? Or a little January. Bit January? Whoop, whoop. I know. I've like been here just a, like about a year in oh, March. Yeah. That's what's crazy. Because it was right after, the, April, maybe. right after the Christmas show, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of when the cast changed. But yep. you were... Well, no, you had been here. It's not like you yeah, like, jumped right that into was the good thing. I mean, I was still panicked, but I'd been here. So, <laughs> like, I knew people. I, I, I remember the first day of coming down here for, like, the NX, like an NXT show. And I just remember saying to myself, like, Oh, God, it's so exhausting not being at the point yet where I feel comfortable being in this lobby by myself. <laughs> no. You know, like, I don't know. I feel like it's when you're, like... The only way to sober up is time. You know, if you've drank too much, the only way to, like, get into a group of people is time. And I was like, I want to skip this part. It's this so, is the uncomfortable part, and I hate it's it. It's so bizarre because I spent, before I started talking to people, like, it just, once you start talking to some people, then it just it expands. Yeah. Because you meet everybody, and you're like, you can all stand around in a circle and talk, but... When you're first coming around and you see all these groups of people that already know each other, it is kind of intimidating to go up and be like, hey, yeah. Yeah, it's super intimidating. It's high school. Like, but I just flash back to the cafeteria in high school. But then once you're in, you look back and you're like, I, I know. That guy was standing there and I was like, oh, I can't talk to him. I don't know. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he looks super mean. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, now I'm past it, so that's good. I think that's something they should tell you in level one. It's like, just talk to everybody. Everybody's friendly here. I've literally not met one person in improv that I, I thought was like a huge douche. Yeah. 
this doesn't seem to be the field where douchebags would show up. They con- they don't congregate. Like every now and then, everyone's had like a douchebag in their improv class. I feel like, but <laughs> right, like I don't know. I feel like I we've mean, all we've all had one term. where yeah. it's like, oh, that's the guy that's gonna make all the sex jokes when I'm when I'm out there but with a scene or whatever it is. But it's like also no, not even no exactly what you're yeah. talking about. I've, I've had several um, in the levels coming up, but they haven't stick stuck with it. those. Are the people I right die off. Yeah. Um, so do you remember? When you had your first show, main stage show, did it feel different? Were you nervous? Or was it just Here? nervous? Yeah. Yeah, I was nervous. How did I was so nervous. How'd it go? I think it went okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here. She doesn't remember. <laughs> I know, it is. Well, that was one of the reasons I wanted to... I mean, I was given a great opportunity, but the, one of the reasons I was like, yeah, I mean, I could have just said no and stayed where I was comfortable, but... I wasn't nervous anymore there, so I feel like being nervous is a good thing. And yeah, I was, I remember being really nervous. And then I was like, after the show, I was like, why was I so nervous? It's not like I'm new to performing, but I was really nervous. Um, Yeah, I think it went fine. And also like that process is so fast. So you're like, you just keep trying out sketches and sometimes you're like getting rid of one and trying a new one. And I'm like, I'm gonna screw this up. But then I'm like, but you know how to do improv. <laughs> so if you screw it up, you're going to be fine. Like, you'll just improvise. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like there's a feeling of I just didn't want to let anybody down. And I think I'm the one out of probably anybody. I don't even know if anyone thinks about the fact that I came from another theater. But I'm always the one that's like, I can't screw this up. Like, they invited me over to play. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to remember my manners, you know, which that that's all gone for me now. But there was a little bit of that in there, too, where I was like... I gotta show him I can do it. I'm very dramatic in my head. <laughs> I can as tell. You, as you can see. I'd love to get a, a running <laughs> cutty monologue at some point. It's bad. It's it's bad news. It's all anxiety based. <laughs> I told Trevor once I did the Monday show with him where he like interviewed me and then we did improv. And he, he was Were talk- you just happened to be in the audience or was this when you were... No, it was like... It was, it was, for, was it for Booby Trap? Yeah, it was like... And I, I think we did it last month. He invited me to do one. And we started talking about anxiety. And I said, well, the worst part about it is like... <laughs> like for, for someone, like if you want to be good at improv, you have to be really good at hyping really fast. But that's like the exact wrong thing that you should do if you have anxiety. Like, right. yeah. like it's like worse. Like it's like you hear a noise in the house and all of a sudden you're like, I'm getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing. But in an improv scene, you're like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. And then when you're in bed and you're like, oh, this is the night I die. <laughs> like, that's insane. <laughs> I feel like everybody's had the, this is the night I die times yeah, though, definitely. where you are really are literally laying in bed and you hear like the faucet drip or something. And you're like, that was a footstep. Yeah. It goes beyond that. I mean, once I see anything on the news, I mean, I'm convinced now that I will go be on a missing airplane. Mm. I will die in a sinkhole. <laughs> like, all I have to do is watch the news, and then I'm like... You're going to die multiple times. Yeah, all these things are going <laughs> to happen. I mean, I, I've, I've had, like, I've lifted weights and then, like, pulled muscle in my chest, and then I'm like, is this my pulled muscle or am I having a heart attack? Yep. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go to sleep. I might not wake up, but... Uh, I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> I, I might not wake up, wake but up. <laughs> Now, I have a question. Moving from the NXT to the main stage, aside from rowdiness, what did you find the main differences were in the audiences? Like, 
is it a do you is it a different demographic this is something i should know because i work the box office but from a performer's point of view yeah. is like what's the difference between an nxt audience and yeah i went from like sunday night audience to thursday friday saturday audiences I feel like I'm. St- I will say that I'm still dissecting that information okay. like every week. But I feel like that this yeah the Sunday audience is like more polite, mm-hmm. or even maybe they're even they more don't reserved. Yield. Like they maybe I feel like we had a lot of Sunday audiences that they weren't necessarily there to be part of a show. They were just there. They to were see there a to show. see a show. Okay. And I think like the weekend crowds are like they're, oh they're yeah I got a sweet joke. Dildo! (laughs) They're all going to laugh. And then usually, unfortunately, the audience does laugh. And you're like, oh, no. This is what happened. Getting away from us. In, like, a Sunday crowd, I... Don't get me wrong. I love drinking on a Sunday. I don't know that they... That crowd drinks as hard before they come to the show. Well, because it's pretty clear that like a Friday night crowd has not gone home from work. Yeah, they just went out. You after can tell work. by what they're wearing that they haven't gone home. The from first work. time I remember seeing like I think at the late the Friday ten show, like I remember going out to go to the bathroom and I saw like these glassy eyed people walking down the stairs and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> Welcome to the hell of the lobby. And then half the time they just sit there and like fall asleep or like, you know, if it's that drunk, like, I don't know. I haven't been a part of... Then we hand them bottles of water and say, hey, get up. You can't sleep. I know. I haven't been a part of any horror shows yet, but I feel like I should knock on wood because I... And I do say yet. I'm sure there'll be... Oh, you haven't been part of any of the projectile vomit shows yet, Yeah, like, I haven't... I haven't had to experience that Don't worry, it'll come. Everyone gets their day in the sun. Now, during your... (laughs) improv career would you say you had a worst moment you can remember I'm thinking with a person with such anxiety this guy I know right (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so weird that I do this isn't it um worst I mean every moment they don't laugh is the worst (laughs) I don't know if I can remember a worst I feel like I'm I guess it's a good thing I more remember like the best shows I've ever had alright so on the flip side well, in recent memory, one of the best shows I've ever had was I went to Barcelona in November to an improv festival with people that I know through Improv Boston, and we all, I guess you'd call it, we're like a festival group. Like, we all enjoy performing with each other, so if an opportunity comes up, there's kind of like a, a wide net of people, and uh, Will Aware will ask, like, put it out there mm-hmm. like, who has the ability and money to go to Spain? Like, <laughs> I think he just posted something like that recently. Yeah, he posted something about uh, Ireland, which is what we did last year. We went to Spain and then Ireland, but we had a really good show in Barcelona. And, like, we closed out the festival, so we were kind of terrified. We were like, well, oh, we wow. better not suck. <laughs> and we had a really good show. Like, we were, you know, it was... I think we were... I always try to explain to students that being nervous is a good thing because it means... That you care and, yeah. and nervous energy is still energy, so it's better than like being tired on a Monday night in class. I don't know, but you can't explain it until you're like realize that that nervousness helped yeah. you. And I think we were also nervous that it helped. And oh man, we got a standing ovation Ooh. from literally around the world. That's the way I'm gonna, <laughs> that's the way I'm gonna phrase it. It was from around the world because there were improvisers there from around the world. Be- exactly, because <laughs> there were people there. From around the world. <laughs> but that was a really that was a really good show. And it was like everything clicked, you know. That's awesome. It was cool. So where you are now in your career, 
uh, how do you feel and where would you like to see it go? I feel great now. I think what I would like to see happen is me knowing what I'm going to do next. <laughs> I feel like I get the sense that like after this, here in this city, there's nothing else you can do better than this. Like I did Yay. it. It's awesome, <laughs> you know? So then it's kind of scary because you're like, uh-oh. So then where do you go? But I guess I hope I'll figure that out the closer it gets that it's time for me to leave. That made me sound like an yep. episode of Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> what a downer. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what will happen after this. That is for sure. Um, I don't know. I've moved before, so it makes me nervous to have to do it again. But we'll see. All right. Uh, what I want to do next is uh, something called a made-up movie game. Um, so I'm going to play the next... Well, I'm going to put my iPod on shuffle. Whatever song title comes up, I'm going to ask you to uh, make up, summarize a movie. Basically, if you're uh, watching a movie on Comcast mm-hmm. and you hit the info button, you know, a little blurb that pops yeah. up. Uh, <laughs> to make up a movie based on the movie title, just a blurb. Based on the title of the yeah. song? Yeah, and then okay. we will uh, improvise the three-person <laughs> scene. <laughs> stuff this movie. Jesus. Oh man, I feel like so much of this rests on my shoulders. I hope I don't screw this, this up. I'm nervous again. This is where it always goes wrong for me because <laughs> I've I've done this with my iPod uh, for the, like maybe the last five or six, and yeah. two, two out of the five have been Usher songs. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you weren't posting for ideas on Facebook anymore. I yeah. was pretty disappointed because that was like my Friday ritual, asking my students, oh, "Hey, student title, what's the name of a movie that doesn't exist that's about Christmas?" <laughs> I don't know, Miss Harkness. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I was doing at first, and it was fun. But after a while, people started just submitting really just vulgar and Uh-oh. stuff that like. I wanted to be fair. If you submitted something, I wanted to put it in, yeah. and we'd pick it randomly. But then everything was just like random sequels, and it's like we don't need the whole joke in the title. We just needed a title. That's all. Thanks. <laughs> and then the other thing I was doing was I was um, had so one like basket full of movie names and one full of. Um, actors and actresses that we would portray <laughs> <laughs> that quickly devolved into like I'm Ben Affleck reindeer games yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's generally how I do impressions so that's probably good that that's not <laughs> so now we hey just... guys it's me Sandra Bullock <laughs> I'm floating through space <laughs> yeah now I'm leaning against the mailbox <laughs> Keanu Reeves is also a leaning against the mailbox so it's very magical yes alright so I'm gonna play like five to six seconds of a song probably an Usher song even. <laughs> yeah I mean I feel like you've cross already... your face You've already spoiled what it's gonna be, but whatever. Alright, here we go. Oh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams (laughs) by uh, Green Day. Oh man, I feel like it's gonna be depressing, like Breaking Bad. (laughs) You know, technically there is already like an entire story about this. (laughs) It's a musical. Yeah, it's a musical. That's okay. If it's not like a pop song, it does. I don't know anything about it anyway. Great. Uh, I have heard that song before though. So Boulevard of Broken Dreams. That's the name of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Okay. I guess the blurb would be um, a churro vendor in New York City. <laughs> uh, he is, 
he's trying to make it in the world, uh, and he's actually having great luck with the churro vending, but he's unlucky in love. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, until one day uh, a mysterious woman shows up and orders a churro and wouldn't you know it she leaves her wallet so he has to like track her down they hate each other at first but then they just keep running into each other all over New York because that happens all the time it's a very small city and uh, they eventually fall in love because all the movies I like are romantic comedies All right. That sounds like a lovely movie. I feel like I I did this wrong. I think that you need to do a treatment for it (laughs) so that we can pitch it. This is perfect. All right. So we're going to start off. uh, Maybe we might have to do a couple scenes from this guy. Also, it's called Boulevard of Broken Dreams because um, Broken Dreams is the name of one of the churro specials. So it looks like it's going to be, it's a sad title, but it's actually like an ironic title. Churros here! Churros! Get your churros! Hi there, I would like a churro and I'm in a hurry! I have to get to my job! Calm down there, missy! We don't rush anything at the Boulevard of Broken Dreams churros! Well, I work in New York City in a big fancy job! I need my churro right now! I'm on a deadline! This is a fancy job too, ma'am! I make the best churros in town! I can't be rushed! And I can't put up with this attitude! (laughs) Oh, here, just take this money! And then she grabs a churro and walks away. Ma'am! Ma'am! Oh, well. Oh, no! She, she, she left her license in my hand! Now I gotta do the right thing, because I'm a good guy. We have so much chemistry right now. And then she gets to work, because she, she was on a deadline, she had to go back to work. So now we're at work. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be narrating this, but I just started doing that. I'm doing it. So then we get back to work, and she goes to talk to her best friend. Ugh, I'm trying to work on that case or advertising campaign. Ooh, is that a churro? Yes, the guy was such a jerk. Well, I'm going to eat it. Since Damn you're not. I can't find my wallet. Ooh, well, the last time you had it out must have been when you bought this churro. Oh, God, that stupid churro vendor has my wallet. He's probably stealing my money. Oh, my God, you need to cancel all your credit cards. He's going to steal your identity. I don't even know where he is. It's like a food truck. He could be anywhere by now. What was the food truck called? It was called Boulevard of Broken Dreams. (laughs) Boulevard of Broken Dreams churros? We need to go look for it. Susie, Susie, you have a delivery at the front door. Oh, I'm never going to get this case slash advertising campaign done. Uh, yes, can I help you? Hey, it's me, the churro oh, the vendor, Jim. Susie, oh my gosh, is that him? Yeah. I brought you some flowers and your ID back. I can't decide if it's creepy or romantic. Will you go on a date with me, Susie? Well, I guess it was really nice of you to bring me flowers and my wallet back. But I'm just going to agree to lunch. You know where we should go? Where? The Boulevard of Broken Dreams churro shop, so I can make you my famous Boulevard of Broken Dreams churro. Fine, whatever. I owe you one. Is there a montage now? Because I feel like there's a montage where they fall in love. 
And there is a montage where they fall in love. We see Susie and Truro Man. My name's Jim. Jim. My apologies, Truro Man. We see Susie and Jim walking down the stairs of the building, out the front door, to the churro truck. Jim opens up the door, and Susie walks up the stairs inside, because that's not creepy at all. I'm going to make you the Boulevard of Broken Dreams churro, but i got to tell you what the special ingredient is. What is it? Love. Well, I don't have time for love. Ever since Just my try parents it. died Just in Paris, mm, mm, and then mm. he feeds it to her, and then Jim See. feeds Susie the churro, <laughs> and they fall in love. And then obviously at the end, after they get married, there's like cans attached to the churro truck, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it says "Just Married" under the sign that says "Boulevard of Broken Dreams." <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, I can't lie. That was heavily influenced by the fact that I drove back from New York City today. So New York City really was on my mind. I wish. I wish my life was like that, but it's just not. I don't know why churros. For all the listeners, I just want them to know that they really missed out on Cuddy's facial expressions. <laughs> it is. Not only during the made-up movie game, but during this entire thing. That is a thing that happens with my face. So next time you see her... <laughs> Watch her face. Watch my face. Don't listen to anything I'm saying. Please, just watch just my face. Just watch her face. <laughs> yes. Sarah, do you have anything you want to promote? Not really. Come to Improv Asylum <laughs> and see our shows. Cool. Donate money to my school. No, I don't. <laughs> I have nothing. If anybody wants to help me move next weekend, I'll promote that. Come help me move. Oh. I'll provide pizza and beer. Wow. Yes. Sweet promotion. Right? They just don't know where I'm moving from and to. Well, I feel like <laughs> we already got a clue that, that you're moving from JP. And if you're moving from JP to anywhere, I don't think anyone's going to want to help you. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Good luck with Great. The moving. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Cuddy, uh, do you have anything you want to? Oh, you know, come see the main stage shows at Improv Asylum. The current one is almost over. I think. Oh, it is. One more weekend or two. Oh, really? What's the date? Today is the ninth. Yeah, I think next weekend might be. We start new rehearsals on the nineteenth, so. Sweet. As of that week, we'll be trying out new stuff, and it'll be back to stressing out about wondering if you're funny enough. (laughs) I like it. So come check that out. I'm good at promoting things too. <laughs> All right. JP and stressing out about yep. funny stuff. Yeah, Great. you got anything better than that? Because we're going to really need it. <laughs> Tom, promote something. <laughs> all right, a couple things. First of all, everybody that I've asked to be on this podcast has said yes, which is awesome. Nice. Um, and, uh, except for one person. Well, he said <laughs> yes, but he has yet to, to come, and that's Ryan McFarland. I really what? want Ryan McFarlane on this podcast. So I am asking anybody to listen to hashtag get Ryan on the podcast. I think that's a great idea. I will do that. And I will say this Ryan McFarland is the first good friend that I made at Improv Asylum. So he should be on this podcast. And I tell him that all the time when we're drunk that he's my first <laughs> good friend in Improv Asylum. And uh, he should be on this podcast because I think he's very funny. Snaps for too. Ryan. <laughs> oh, snaps. 
snaps for Cuddy. Oh, thank you. Snapping away. Um, other things, uh, Eagle Come, my improv group, will be hosting the Just Suspects show at the Hideout on May 28th. That's a Wednesday night, and we will be performing at the first Just Comedy at uh, Hennessy's starting June 2nd, and we're doing a bunch of those. Um, and on Bits, the Boston Improv Talk Station, check out episodes of Bill and Tim's Bogus Podcast. Also check out Deep Podcasts, which is the newest edition. And if you're listening to this and you thought, hey, I could probably do that, uh, just get in contact with me and, you know, uh, chat with me about maybe doing your own podcast. Other than that, uh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. And yeah, thank you very much. Rest in peace, non-improvisers. <laughs> <laughs>